Father, we humbly bow before you this day as your children, thanking you, Lord, for all of the blessings that you give us each and every day of our lives. You are great, O Lord, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you. We thank you, Lord, for our dear families, for our friends, our neighbors, for all that we have in this life. Thank you, Lord, for our good health this day, that we might come together, your children, to worship you. Help us to be repentant of all of the things that we have done wrong. Please help us to do what is right and to treat others the way that we would like to be treated ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus the Christ. Thank you for the great sacrifice that he made on Calvary's cross for our sins. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that revealed word that guides our pathway through this life. Help us, please, Lord, to center our thoughts more on you at this hour and of every day of the week and keep our minds and our hearts open that the Spirit may speak to us through that holy word to show us what to do. Help us, Lord, to be repentant. Help us to do what is right. Help this congregation to work together in unity and peace always striving to help one another and to take care of one another. We thank you for each and every member here, Lord, and we ask your special blessings on our elders as they guide us and show us the way. We pray that you will bless Benjamin Lee as he leads us in our search of the scriptures. We pray that you will bless our song leaders, our teachers, and our hardworking deacons. Help us all to work together for you to praise your name. Lord, we pray your blessings on our brothers and sisters who are in need this day. Bless the Branch family in this time of distress. Bless the Bradfords and all who are sick. Please give strength, Lord, to those who are weak and help those who are having mental issues in life to be at peace. Please bless this nation, Lord, that we might continue to Gather together as we are this day in a peaceful manner. Please bless our first responders who risk their lives daily for us. Please bless those who guide this country and make our laws that you would give them godly fear, wisdom, and honesty that they might do what is right. Bless us, O Lord, that we might be free and that we might be openly able to do our jobs. We pray, Lord, that you will forgive us of our sins at this time and help us to go into this service in a manner pleasing unto you. 
It is in Jesus' name that we do humbly pray. Amen. Before the scripture reading, we'll sing number 77 from the supplement, Jesus, Let Us Come to Know You. We've chosen songs this morning to help us reflect upon prayers and petitions to our Lord. Jesus, let us come to know you. <clears throat> Jesus, Scripture reading this morning will be Acts chapter 13, verses 42 to 48. Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 48. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. next song will be out of the supplement number 21 on Bended Knee I Come. <clears throat> on Bended Knee I Come with
before Brother Ben uh, brings us some thoughts from the scriptures, we'll sing number 74 out of the main hymnal, 74, Abide With Me. If you would please be standing for this song. <clears throat> morning, everyone. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Acts chapter 12. We're going to begin our study there in just a moment. Thank you for being here today. I'm sure everybody had a busy weekend. Hopefully you had a great weekend. And what a great way to start off the new week by coming together as God's people and to worship together, to gather with the children of God and to hear more about God and his word or through his word and certainly to remember the great sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, if you recall, Acts chapter 12 was our daily Bible reading for last week. If you remember, uh, we started this past year in Luke chapter 1. We are reading one chapter five days a week and doing an immersive type of Bible reading. And so we've wrapped up the book of uh, Luke, and now we're in the book of Acts. And last week we looked at Acts chapter 12. One of the reasons why we emphasize the Word of God so much is because we never stop learning. 
This is how we're going to continue to learn and do the will of God. And so we continue to read over and over again. And I want to encourage everybody here to, to join in. If you haven't, if you have an opportunity, maybe you've uh, fallen behind a little bit, pick back up and let's join in together and let's read and take part of this Bible reading program. As you saw earlier or heard, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 this week. I guarantee you, you will benefit as you go through this Bible reading, particularly in the book of Acts. There are certain chapters in the book of Acts that really stand out to me. Maybe that's true for you as well. I think about Acts chapter 2. I think about Acts chapter 10. I think about Acts chapter 26 even at times as well. Acts chapter 12, though, I don't know if I've ever preached a sermon from Acts chapter 12. But I'm going to preach a sermon this morning from Acts chapter 12. There's so much in here. Do you remember who's mentioned in Acts chapter 12? There are a number of people who are mentioned. James, the brother of John, the apostle James. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, later on. Peter, uh, a young servant girl named Rhoda, King Herod, uh, Blastus. There's a number of individuals who are mentioned in Acts chapter 12. And there's so much for us to learn as we study through this text. I want to begin by reading from Acts chapter 12 and just kind of remind you uh, what was taking place and what we saw. In Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. While great things had happened among the people of God, and while there was some peace throughout the first century for God's people, we find that some terrible things now were beginning to happen. James, the apostle now, has been killed by Herod. You think back to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 gives us a first recorded uh, incidents of a, of a martyr with Stephen as he died uh, by the hands of the Jews. And now we see the first apostle who has also died. To make matters worse, the apostle Peter now appears to be next. If you notice in the text, it says that Peter had been arrested. You go back to verse number four. It says, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. And so by all accounts, Peter's going to be the second apostle in a short amount of time that now is going to die. Reading those verses there makes it very clear that Herod wanted to be sure that, that, that Peter was not going to get away. He had about 16 soldiers there. He's bound with two chains. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So he's sleeping between two soldiers, which is actually really impressive. That he's actually getting a, a, a night of sleep in this situation. Bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. They want to make sure, Herod wanted to make sure that there was no way that this man was going to escape. Little did Herod know, though, about the faith of God's people, about the power of prayer and the power of God. If you look back in verse number 5, remember what it says here. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. God's people were not just sitting around idle doing nothing. They were fervently praying to God. 
You can hear and see the intensity, no doubt, that they must have had as they thought about Peter and the idea of potentially losing another apostle. They were praying fervently that Peter might be delivered. And then if you read the rest of the chapter, something amazing happened. In Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse number 7, despite all the guards that were surrounding Peter, in verse 7, the Bible says, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up. So I don't think it was just a little tap, but he, he struck him on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but but thought he was seeing a vision. So Peter's trying to figure all this out himself. This has to be some kind of vision. Look at verse 10. When they had passed the first and second guard, this is amazing. They're going through all of this together in the middle of the night. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate, listen to this, that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Now, Peter came to himself, listen to what Peter says here, in verse number 11, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me. From the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. They were expecting him to die. But God delivered him. The Lord delivered him. This angel delivered Peter from death. It's an amazing story. You drop down to verse number 18. In verse number 18, the Bible says, now when day came. So think about all of this has already taken place. When day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. I would have had the same response as well. We've got 16 guys here. We're on either side. We're in front of them. What's going on? And how did this happen? Watch what else it says in verse 19. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. I think that shines light upon Acts chapter 16. Remember the Philippian jailer? Why he was getting ready to take his own life, thinking that Paul and Silas and the others had escaped? Watch what's going to happen to these guards here. Then he went down from, or that they'd be led away to execution. And so Herod had all these guards killed. They lost Peter. And so that would have been the result, I think, with what would have happened with the Philippian jailer as well. Now, there's some other aspects of this that I have not yet read. And maybe you guys know exactly where I'm going. If you recall in verse number 5, we see that the saints were praying for Peter fervently. The church of God was praying for Peter fervently. After Peter realized what was taking place, he then would go to the house of John Mark in verse number 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. You've got to love the intensity of the, of the prayers of the saints. This is not just a, a few-minute type of prayer, a few minutes kind of prayer, or just maybe like for an hour or so. This is something that has been ongoing. And so they're praying for Peter. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, which I think is kind of funny, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in the front of the gate. Now, what should have been the response of all the brethren? Get the door. Let him in. Let's talk to him. 
Watch what they said in verse 15. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Now, I don't know about you, when I read that, I laughed. Did you guys laugh when you read that during the week? I laughed, all right? It was one of the funniest things. You are out of your mind. Rhoda, what are you talking about? Peter's not at the front door. And watch this. They said, you are out of your mind, but that's not all. But she kept insisting that it was so. So it wasn't just one time where Rhoda says, no, no, Peter's out the door. She is saying, no, listen, <laughs> he really is at the gate. Will somebody go let him in? Somebody got the key? We got to let Peter in. He's really there. And they're like, Rhoda, you are out of your mind. Peter's not there. In fact, what's interesting about this, and I have a question about this, they kept saying it is his angel. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But they said that's his angel at the door. So they're going back and forth, and Peter, what do you think Peter's doing? Will somebody please let me in? He's just standing there. And so eventually, Peter continued knocking. I wonder if he was getting frustrated. Guys, I just got out of prison. Please let me in. So he's continuing to knock. And when they had opened the door, listen to this. They saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. I got to tell you, this is an amazing story. And just thinking about this story, you see so much with respect to God, don't you? You certainly see the power of God. And you see that despite the wicked men that lived in the first century, whether it was Herod, Agrippa the first here, or others, that there were no match for God, that God's will was going to continue to be done. You certainly learn some other things about God's people in the first century. And while I was reading this, I don't know about you, but I had some questions. I think there are some valuable lessons for us to learn this morning from Acts chapter 12 as we think about God, as we think about our faith, and as we think about the power of prayer. When I read this and the phrase that they said, you're out of your mind, it was interesting that they responded in that manner. Did you find that a little bit odd or interesting as well? That they were praying fervently to God. And that church, the, the, that prayer was being made throughout the entire church. The church of God was praying. And yet they're responding to Rhoda by saying, you are out of your mind. Now, the questions that I have, I don't have any questions about a couple of things in this text. I don't have any question about God. I know God is powerful. And he has demonstrated his power time and time again. In fact, if you recall, if you go back to Acts chapter 5. This wasn't the first time Peter had been in jail. This wasn't the first time Peter had been delivered. In Acts chapter 5 and verse number 18, the Bible says in Acts 5 and verse number 18, they laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. So I don't have any questions about the power of God. Nothing is too hard for God. God was with his people. God was with the apostles. And I certainly don't have any questions about the wicked nature of Herod. If you go back to Acts chapter 12, in Acts chapter 12, we know that this man was wicked. He was a part of a wicked family. He was the grandson of Herod the Great. You remember back in Matthew 2, we're not going to read that, but back in Matthew 2, Herod the Great was the one who slaughtered the infants in an attempt to kill Christ. He was a nephew of Herod Antipas who decapitated John the baptizer, and he had already murdered James. We saw that in chapter 12 and verse number 1. He had already murdered James. He saw that it pleased the Jews, so he said, I'm going to go along now and keep trying to please the Jews. I'm going to kill Peter as well. 
So I don't have any questions about this man and the, man, the mindset that this man really had. I don't really have any questions about Peter. The fact that he was able to get a night's sleep, he was able to go to sleep before he was about to die. That says something about Peter. Despite his flaws and despite his mistakes, Peter certainly had great faith. My questions are geared towards the saints and how they responded with Rhoda saying, Peter's at the door. And the fact that they said, you're out of your mind. And it wasn't just a one-time deal. This was something that continued on. Was Peter's waiting at the door. And they kept insisting, no, he's not really at the door. A couple of questions that come to my mind, and maybe you had some, some of the same questions as well. Why did the saints think Rhoda was out of her mind? Why do you think they responded like that? Was that a question that you had when you read the text? That's a question that I had. Why would they respond in that manner? A second question that I had is this. How did they think God was actually going to respond? They are praying, and I think we can assume and reach the right conclusion that they were praying for for Peter to be delivered. So what were they exactly thinking with respect to how God was going to respond to his prayers? A third question that I have when I think about this text here is this. Had they forgotten what God had already done in times past? We just read that back in Acts chapter 5. How God in, in previous times... He had delivered the apostles. He had delivered Peter. Had they forgotten about this? Were they not aware of this? Were these some newer Christians? I don't know what was happening here, but that's a question that I had. And a fourth question that came to my mind, thinking about this whole interaction here, is this. Did the death of James maybe create some doubt in their minds? Yes, they're praying. They're praying fervently. But what just happened? James just died. Could have been the case that they were also praying fervently for James, and now James is dead. And so they're thinking, well, we're praying for Peter. And if you go back and look at the text one more time, look back at Acts chapter 12. If you look at verse number 6, it says, On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward. So Peter's been in prison now for a couple of days. Nothing has changed with this situation. Now it's the very night when he's about to be brought forward to be executed. And so maybe some of them were thinking, Well, God hasn't done anything yet, and look what just happened to James. And so, yes, we're praying, but it just appears that God is not going to respond to our prayers. Maybe we could say yes to all of them. I don't know for sure, but certainly these events and the fact that they said you're out of your mind It's just a peculiar thing, at least it is to me. Maybe it was the anxiety. Maybe it was the lack of change in Peter's situation. Maybe all of the previous things that had happened. And maybe some of them were just really thinking, is God really going to move on our behalf? Peter's in prison yet again. Herod is strong and mighty. He's already taken out one of the apostles. Is God really going to move on our behalf? We know the rest of the story. God did move. He did answer their prayers. They were praying for Peter. Peter was rescued, and it would be amazing to hear all the times that Peter would share this story with others in the years to come about God rescuing him yet again from prison. Their prayers were answered, brothers and sisters, and Peter would go on and share what happened to him and to them, and certainly they were amazed as a result of that. It's an interesting interaction, and yet I believe it helps me and hopefully it will help you as well to think about some things about our mindset with respect to prayer, with respect to the power of God, and with respect to why we need to continue to pray to our Heavenly Father. 
When I think about this interaction, I have some questions for us. If you were in the house with John Mark, with Mary, and you hear the knocking on the door or Rhoda coming back saying, listen, there's someone at the front door. Who is it? It's Peter. Peter's at the front door. I can't believe it. Peter's at the front door. What would your response be? Would it be, no, there's no way he's at the front door. I know he's probably dead by. I know I prayed about it. We prayed fervently, but there's no way he's getting out of that situation. How do you think you would respond to that? Well, we don't know how we would actually respond to that. It's all hypothetical in nature. But you know what we do know? We know how we often view God as we pray to him. And we know sometimes the challenges that we may have as we petition God in prayer. Or maybe when somebody comes to you and say, will you pray for me about this situation? Or maybe you go to someone else and they say, listen, continue to pray to God. Continue to trust that God hears your prayers. And maybe in the back of your mind, you may be thinking to yourself, is that person out of their mind? They don't really understand what I'm going through. They don't understand my husband. They don't understand my wife. They don't understand my health condition. They don't understand. Maybe sometimes that's how we even think about God. Is God really going to move on our behalf? He's not going to help me. We can't respond to how we would react then, but I think we can respond and we can need to really think about how do we view prayer? Whether it's someone else petitioning God in prayer or whether it's our prayers or the kind of prayers that we make to God. Or even when we see God working and answering prayers. Are we shocked? Are we astonished? We know the power of prayer. I think about Hannah. We're not going to read this, but in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah was a woman of prayer. And Hannah prayed fervently time and time again to have a child. And while it appeared that nothing was going to happen, that God was not going to move on her behalf, we know the rest of the story that she was able to have a child. What about the story of Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 6 when Hezekiah was told by Isaiah, prepare your house because you're getting ready to die. And Hezekiah cried out to God. How did God answer him? He gave him 15 additional years. We know the power of our Father in heaven. We know the power of prayers. But a question that I have as I was thinking about this whole interaction here, as they're praying and as they're shocked and amazed at what happened with Peter, my question for us is this. Why do we sometimes doubt in the power of God? Why do we sometimes doubt in the power of God? They're shocked. There's no way he can be at the front door. Not a chance. You're out of your mind, Rhoda. Why do we sometimes doubt in the power of our Heavenly Father? Does that kind of phrase or thought process come in our minds? You're out of your mind to make these prayer requests. That situation is never going to change. There's no way God is ever going to do this for me. From this story, brothers and sisters, we learn a lot. Number one, that God hears the prayers of the saints. They were praying fervently, and Peter was delivered. Secondly, we learn that there is nothing too hard for God, nothing. Peter could be delivered from a prison, not just once, but multiple times. There's nothing too hard for our Heavenly Father. Number three, it reminds us that we need to be people of prayer. The church of God was praying fervently. They came together in a house, and they prayed, and they were thinking about uh, Peter. We need to be people of prayer as well. And as we pray, 
Brothers and sisters, we need to really pray with great confidence and expectation. The saints prayed, Peter was delivered, and God answered their prayers. And he will do the same for us according to his will. Our job is to make sure that we have the right mindset. And I want to ask you a second question here. Maybe someone needs to think about something. I certainly need to think about this. And I think from time to time, all of us are going to find ourselves in some type of situation in life where we need to think about this as well. Has a situation ever caused you to give up on prayer to God? Have you found yourself in a situation where you're just thinking, well, look, I've I've been praying and nothing seems to be working. Nothing seems to be changing. The situation still seems to be the same. I want you to know you don't give up on prayer. and We don't give up on our Heavenly Father. But I will tell you sometimes, life will get very hard and challenging. And it could be the case that some of us find ourselves in a prison, so to speak, kind of like Peter was in prison. A prison, so to speak, like where a situation appears absolutely hopeless. Or a situation where someone else close to you, or maybe yourself, you're not shackled by 16 prison guards, but it feels like you're shackled with 16 evil angels of the devil. Or a situation where it appears that time has run out, just it was on the night that he was about to be executed. And maybe you find yourself in a situation, maybe you've been praying and still nothing has changed. And you're telling yourself or thinking, God, if you don't act, all is going to be lost. Or maybe it's a situation where you've been disappointed by God. Or at least that's how you feel. God is always going to be good. God is always going to be just. God will always do what is right. And yet sometimes... We can begin to feel, well, God, you didn't do this. And we can begin to have some emotions toward him. And maybe maybe you're feeling somewhat disappointed because of how he's answered some of your prayers in times past. Maybe you or someone you know, they are in the prison of porn addiction or drugs or alcohol. Or maybe it's a prison-like situation of your marriage where your spouse is not fulfilling the responsibilities that God has given them. Or maybe it's a prison of overcoming past hurt and pain, and you're just having a hard time forgiving someone else. Maybe you're in the prison of a disease that has shackled your body, that is hindering you from really living. Brothers and sisters, at times we can have this mindset of not careful. You're out of your mind. Prayer's not going to be effective. How is this going to change? What is God going to do? We need to remember the power of prayer. And we need to be people of prayer. And when you find yourself in a situation like this, there are a couple of things to remember. Number one, always remember the power of God. We see his power in Acts chapter 12. We see his power all throughout the book of Acts. Remember the power of God. Secondly, remember the providence of God. While God may not be performing miracles today, those have served their purpose. God is still working. And God will still move on the behalf of his people. And I will say this, brothers and sisters, the church in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5, it says that they were making prayer for him fervently. They were praying fervently. So this wasn't just a kind of a, a short one and done type thing. They are praying fervently. And as we think about God's power, as we think about his providence, we need to make sure that we are praying fervently. I love the fact that we have song services here where we sing and we pray. We sing and we pray. We come together and we sing and we pray. And that's the mindset that we need to have. And that's the mindset that we need to make sure that we hold on to. And individually, we need to pray fervently to God. 
Maybe it means that we decrease our social media time. Maybe it means we decrease our football time or our workout time, but we pray like we've never prayed before. We need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. We need to pray fervently. The mindset that the saints had of, it almost seems like a lack of confidence. You're out of your mind. There's no way Peter could be here. And Rhoda said, yes, he is. They prayed fervently. And Peter was delivered. Brothers and sisters, if you feel like you're giving up on prayer or on God, I think we could say you're almost out of your mind doing that. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on prayer. God sees what you're going through. He sees what I go through. And he wants us to continue to petition him and to be confident that he will respond accordingly. If we have faith, we need to pray to God. If we have faith, we need to pray, and we need to pray with confidence. And if we have faith, we need to pray and pray with confidence and pray waiting for God to move on our behalf according to his will. God is with us, and he was with Peter while he was in prison. He was with the saints in the first century, and he will provide the very things that we need. Let's be people of prayer. Let's pray to our Father, and let's hold on to him and know that he is able, no matter what situation we may find ourselves in. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your power. We are thankful for the confidence that we have in you. We are thankful, Father, for the mindset that we need to have, that we can see through your word, that we never need to doubt you, that in all that you do, you are right and you are fair and you are just. We're thankful for the example of the saints in the first century who, had, who prayed and, and for Peter and his faith. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll help us to have the confidence that we need. We know, Heavenly Father, that we can doubt from time to time, that we can lack the confidence that we need. And we pray, Father, that you'll be with us. Help us to remember what you have already done and the fact that you are with us. Those who may be struggling at this very moment, we pray, Father, for them, that if it's according to your will, they might be delivered. Give them the strength that they need. Help us at this time to continue to walk by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.